Welcome back to Podcast 44 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. Follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us the Ozbreakers. Follow us on social media slash the Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by BetRivers.com for a 100% sign-up bonus up to 250 bucks. Please visit BetRivers and use the promo code ODDS22. Terms, conditions, and location apply if you'd like to help us out with our costs and sponsor the website and podcast. We'd love to help you out. Please visit theosbreakers.com, click shop, and become a member. Pick any of our winning handicappers, including myself, to get our premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit the Osbreakers and become a free picks newsletter subscriber. Football is around the corner, my friends, and we have a great guest for you today because I'm all about college football right now my power rings are complete well obviously it's always evolving but it's as complete as can be to get proper totals on every single season win total as well as every single spread throughout the season on my spreadsheet already fired off five college football week one plays and one week zero play to our premium subscribers so if you want to get in on that you have it available at the oddsbreakers.com. Feel free to check out my packages to get on the ride for football. College football is my best sport. Well, probably next to UFC. NFL has been creeping up lately, so uh, <laughs> we've been pretty happy with our NFL lately. And uh, I'm just so excited that it is football season so we can make some money and have some fun throughout the year. Our special guest today is a college football specialist himself, especially in the SEC, and Mr. Brian Edwards. And he's going to come on, and we're going to do a little bit of an SEC breakdown, see where we align on these teams, as well as some UFC for the weekend, UFC London, and maybe even a little UFC 277 with Nunez, right? That's going to be fun. And I can't wait to talk about that with Brian. I should have said Nunez versus Pena because Pena beat her last time. So uh, we're going to get into some UFC as well after we talk about the college football landscape. Before Brian comes on, just wanted to give a shout out to Kate Constable that we just added over at the Ozbreakers to blog out some great plays in the WNBA and anything else that she feels like and finds value in for all of our email subscribers and customers. We're very happy that uh, Kate joined us. She's been fantastic on her BetUS shows and everything else that she does in the sports betting world. So super excited to have Kate join our team. I also want to mention that we have a new membership level for people that might be on a budget or just make smaller bets in general. It is a market consensus level. I have figured out a way to scrape the sharper bettors in the marketplace and find some of their consensus plays and give them out to this level of membership. It is only $35 a month and also... I would have to have at least a lean on that game, if not a like, 
if we are going to be giving out a market consensus Oddsbreakers membership play to you. Being that I'm from the sports betting world, I do know a lot of sharp minds out there that aren't necessarily giving out premium plays on our site. As a matter of fact, these handicappers have to be respected by me and they have to come to more of a consensus on some plays that I would possibly lean or maybe I even do have a play on it. None of these plays will be anything for me that is obviously of high value, two and a half, three, three and a half, four star plays because those are reserved for only my members. But I will sprinkle a few one to two star plays of my own in this membership package. The last thing I want to cover is that the Oddsbreakers is always looking for talent. We're looking for a DFS person to update their weekly power ratings on our website, as well as possibly even come on the podcast for fantasy to join Dave and I uh, on Monday nights. So if you are a DFS guy, please feel free to reach out to us if you want to get your name out there. Also, if you are a professional handicapper and you have a tracking record and you'd like to monetize through the oddsbreakers, now's the time. Football season is among us. Please feel free to DM us at the Ozbreakers or contact us on our website. All right, without further ado, let's bring on our guest, Mr. Brian Edwards from Major Wager. Now I'm very excited to welcome back an SEC fan and longtime friend of the show. You've heard him on many sports radio broadcasts and podcasts across the country. You can find some of his work on Vegas Insider and MajorWager.com. I'm very happy to welcome back Mr. Brian Edwards from BrianEdwardsSports.com and Vegas Insider. You can follow him at Vegas B. Edwards. Brian, man, well, how's the summer treating you in Florida? It's going well, man. It's going well. Um, it's kind of boring. You know, I, I retired from baseball like a decade ago. Um, <laughs> these last couple of UFC cards have been okay. Not great. Um so I'm just kind of bored. I mean, thank, thankfully I've had my Phil Steele mag like for three weeks, so I've been preparing, and I'm pretty much ready for everybody Power Five and kind of deep into the Mountain West and a uh, little AAC as well. Haven't really gotten to the Sun Belt and MAC yet, but uh, should have those knocked out in the next week or so. And um, then I got a NFL magazine over there that I have not given much love to yet. Right, right. Uh, well, you know. The NFL is the NFL. It's not going to change as much as college here. So um, I I kind of powered through college a little bit on my vacation here. And, uh, you know, obviously during the twilight hours. And I, I pretty much got a good piece of uh, what all these teams are. I think it's just uh, the transfer portal really throws it off for everybody. And you have to study that. And I studied that as much as I could. Uh, try to come up with some really good lines, but you just mentioned Phil Steel magazine. I, I want you to rank these magazines for me because you know I'm sure listeners wonder this. Where would you rank? Like, let's just say Lindy's, Athlon, and Phil Steel. I think those are kind of the top ones anyway. How, how would you rank those? Well, Phil Steel's the Uno, especially for me because I write a lot of I write a lot and I need all the gambling information and all you know. It goes back, you know, the home underdog, away favorite stats for 10 years on each team page. Um, every game by game of the last five years, at least the, uh, you know, the side uh, and the spread. And then uh, every stat from every single game last year. So Phil Steele is by far uh, the Uno. Um, I like uh, Athlon better 
than Lindy? Isn't Athlon the one that has the little uh, the quotes from the different coaches around the league? Yeah. Uh, or at least it, yeah, I, yeah, I, so I believe that's so. The one I like better. Okay. I think Lindy's might be first to market, then Athlon comes out. That's I think that's the only reason I ever get Lindy's is because it's the first one. <laughs> I get Lindy's because of that too, but you know. I mean, I, back in June though, you're no, you're kind of, it's actually was the end of June this year, but you're knee deep in other stuff going on, 4th of July and everything. And, you know, you try to read as much as you can. I, I get both. I, I, I look at my Athlon online. I, I see, they, they give a lot of good free stuff online for Athlon. So I do that, but I like Lindy's and Phil Steele myself. But, man, yep, I, I'm ready for football, too. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm actually doing good in MLB since June. Before that was a train wreck. But uh, since June 23rd, we're killing it there. But uh, you know, it's the UFC, and it's the NFL and the NCAA football for me, baby. And that's what this podcast is all about. And I'm excited to talk about the SEC with you and rank these teams a little bit and kind of see where you're at. I'm going to throw out some season win totals. But before we get to that, I want to, I want to know your thoughts on that old Pac-12 and Big 12 getting pillaged by the Big 10 and the SEC. Just ransacked, my man. Yeah, you know, man, I, 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 don't, I don't really love it. I, I don't hate it yet. Now, I... If they expand a lot more, I might start hating it. I hope everybody just sits tight right now with what we've got. Um, I, I would be fine with that. But um, at the same time, I, I don't get bent out of shape about it. I have no control over it. I try not to worry about things I have no control over. And uh, so, I, you know, we're still going to have lots of games to bet on, and I'm just trying to get ready for bets and ball games. And so I, I haven't. You know, I haven't spent – and look, I just thought – you know, I've already got a natty on Oklahoma's face by double digits. I, I look forward to kicking Texas's ass. So, I mean, from my Gator fan perspective, I don't – I don't. those two clowns, they, whatever, come get some. <laughs> come get some. Well, man, I got to tell you, um, from a fan perspective, I think it kind of sucks. Um, and I think the playoffs should have been expanded a long time ago, and they should have had representatives – from all these locations you know and then now you realize the ncaa has zero power and they're making their own leagues almost to a sort and i'm I'm guessing there's going to be 60 teams between probably both conferences when it's all said and done something like that and the other one's going to be like a division two you know with the some of the stragglers out there maybe maybe some of the cals oregon states you know uh you know the kansas states even might even fall into that so uh i think that's how it's going to be but um you know, and, and that's because it's a big money thing. We know that. So, from a fan perspective, I'm disappointed because I want just parity. I want I want interest from all over the United States. I want every college to feel like they had a chance to get to the big dance or to the playoffs, right? But the playoffs with only four teams kind of filtered recruits always to uh, the top schools. But from a sports betting perspective, it doesn't matter as much, you know. Right. Well, another factor that really does chafe my ass, especially if, it, if we start expanding even more, is if it starts messing up basketball rivalries. Um, because I, I'm – I mean, basketball is my sport growing up. Um, I mean, I probably like football a little better these days, but, I mean, I love college basketball. And, you know, I don't want these conference realignments to start screwing up all these, you know, traditional great basketball rivalries. So, to me, that, that part of it, can get me equally or more pissed than the football part of it. I I can see that, but why would they? 
I mean, it's almost like if, if let's just say that they're going to consolidate the teams there and have their own tournament. I mean, that's just like an NBA G League or something. I, you know, it's not like um, what we get with the big dance. It'd be stupid for them to do that. But I do wonder, you know, is oh, I'm guessing Oklahoma's going to the SEC in both football and basketball. I'm guessing Texas is doing that. I'm guessing what UCLA and USC is doing that too, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I assume. I mean, I know Oklahoma and Texas are. I, I mean, I assume USC and UCLA are, and that's why. That I mean, they're they're signing up for a lot of travel expenses. <laughs> but I mean, I'm sure the TV money, the TV money is going to provide the money for that, I guess. But um, whatever. Yeah, right. We'll I mean, I, I I suppose I don't think uh, I, it's just going to be weird seeing Kansas in a small conference when they're the best basketball team. I guess we saw it with the Zags, but it's just a big change, and so it's all wait and see from here, but yeah, it's, it's things are getting really screwed up, in my opinion, and uh, it, it could have been done better rather than having one network kind of take over like that. But anyways, uh, what's up, Glenn? Glenn says, what's up to us? Uh, Glenn Middleton. What up, Glenn? What up, Glenn? And let's move into the next question, and this is a fun one for you. I'm going to ask you what the most shocking coaching change was that you saw last year? Well, I mean, if you would have asked me before the season, I would say Dan Mullen uh, no longer being around. That was the most shocking to me. Now, um, if you would have told me that after the Georgia game, I would have said, no, that's not very shocking. And if you'd have told me it, at halftime in the South Carolina that he wasn't going to get fired, I would be shocked. I wanted the building cleaned out that before the sun came up the next morning. But let's, I mean, I wish I had a list of all the coaching changes. I don't know if there's a list here in this Phil Steele mag. Uh, I know. I I should have popped this question on you before I topped on. Oh, oh, Lincoln Riley. I mean. Yeah, Lincoln Riley's shocking, right? I mean, who the like, especially at you know, during the the I mean, this pandemic. Like, you want to move to California? I mean, that's the last state in America that anybody <laughs> wanted to live in during the pandemic. I mean, and then uh, well, he's probably elite, so he lives in. A, he's fine. <laughs> but now they're going to the Big Ten. I was also I was you know I was understanding the fact that you can recruit great in South you know Southern California and. Um, and you can dominate the Pac-12, Oregon really being your only um, – I mean, don't get me wrong, Utah is going to be better than USC this year, but I'm just in general over the, a long period of time, Oregon being your main uh, rival in terms of, like, having the facilities and having the money and all that kind of stuff, and all that's just based on Phil Knight. But um, I, I got that part of it, but, I mean, I, you know, he could have gone to LSU. I mean, I didn't like – you know, he wanted the easier route. I just, I didn't, I, I never took Lincoln Riley for that kind of guy. Um, yeah, or whatever. He probably didn't know that the Mer- that they were going to the Big Ten either. You know, when this happened, um, maybe he did know and get some feelers, but I'm guessing he didn't. Uh, you know, and obviously, this I think the Big Ten's making a huge mistake uh, putting the hand up to uh, Oak. Oregon and Washington, I think you take them in right away. I, in my opinion, I think someone, I think SEC could scoop them up. I don't know. Big Ten leadership has always been poor, so we'll see what happens with that. But my biggest, my most shocking coaching change is the biggest culture shock, and I talked a little bit about it with Brad Powers last time. 
It's Clay Helton, <laughs> Jordan Southern, man. Oh, yeah, no, that was definitely a uh, – that was – I mean, yeah, you go from Hollywood to freaking Statesboro, GA, where I have been uh, – I've been twice. I spent two different weekends there in college. I had uh, like a half dozen friends from my high school went to college there, and I spent a weekend up there twice. Different different scene. <laughs> I bet it is, man. Some backwoods different stuff. Different scene. Backwood stuff up there. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, that's just it's just funny to see that change. And now he's got to change the team from a triple option to whatever the hell he's going to do. I don't know. But it's going to be a fun one to watch, man. Because uh, we were down on Clay Helton pretty much most of his career. So that's cool stuff. Yeah, and definitely Lincoln Riley. Very shocking uh, what happened with him going Jumping conference. Oh, and then the oh, Ke- Kelly and Notre Dame did LSU. Right. Yeah. Now, the yeah. Kelly and the culture fit, but you know, I I wrote the day or I tweeted the day that all that happened. I was like, I was like, this is a very odd cultural fit, but only a fool would question Brian Kelly's coaching chops. And at the end of the day, I mean, you know, LSU grew to love Les Miles. Yeah. I mean, Les Miles was you know, had Michigan in his blood and was at Oklahoma State. Um, and, you know, Nick Saban's from West Virginia. I mean, if you win for LSU, they'll love you and you'll be beloved and that's it. So that's right. Um, I think it'll fit. I think it'll work just fine. Well, I think he'll do well. And um, I don't think the cultural fit will matter. Well, he maxed out that program. He went to the playoffs twice with Notre Dame, right? Yeah. It was two or three times. And it's like – your expectation goes higher. Now you can start at the bottom. You know, it was a great move. He made a hundred million bucks. Shit. You know, I mean, it, it, it first was shocking, but then it made all made sense to me when I kind of looked at sure. it. So that's the way I felt. Well, let's get into some of these SEC football teams. Then my man, let's start with the SEC West. And so what I'm going to do is just kind of give you a few thoughts and then let you have the floor um, you have I, obviously Alabama on top. I'm not. I'm not messing with Alabama again. I'm sorry for betting Texas A&M last year. I apologize a million times. Uh, I'm sure as hell not going to fade you when you return your quarterback. <laughs> you know, what I mean, <laughs> I was just kind of like one of those twenty to ones, dude. Does Texas A&M win the uh, the the SEC West? But nope, that that sure as heck didn't come to fruition. And hell, Alabama lost to him, right? So that was just one of those situations where they just couldn't win other games. But it's Alabama on top. Their season win total is 10.5 on DraftKings, minus 255 to the over. So they're basically saying it's 12. <laughs> you, know, right. you know, that's what they're basically saying here. But uh, they, I think that number means they don't want anyone to bet it. <laughs> <laughs> like, right. I, don't, I don't want you to go under or over. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like, stay the hell away yeah. from this one. Yeah, is, is what they're is what they're telling the the betting public here. But you know, I mean, Alabama. To be honest with you, I have them in one of my top two teams. Um, I mean, obviously Ohio State. We don't play. play you have Ohio State, State number one, is what that sounded like to me. That's <laughs> how I translated that. Where am I from again? Uh, well, <laughs> just by half a point. Brian, a half a point, but I think uh, there's a little bit more separation after that. But I, I got to tell you, I mean, Alabama, 
number one in recruiting the i like to take the the three years before not 2022 because the kids are too young i average that together it's their number one um they actually returned 65 percent of their production in general uh 61 percent on offense and 70 percent even that's pretty dang good 1.77 yards per play their strength of schedule last year was ranked fourth, so they went through a very hard schedule. As you can as you can see, their strength of schedule this year. I put medium hard, but when there's no Georgia there, uh, it's nice to see that. Obviously, Florida's in rebuild, um, but what I basically wrote is they lost some big guys, but that's par for the course here. You know, I think I think it could get a little tricky playing at Arkansas, um, at Tennessee, maybe. Probably not at Ole Miss. Probably not this year at LSU. I think that's going to be fine. But either way, um, home against Auburn, home against a and I, I, I think Alabama wins it all myself. My power, my number on them is 11.3 wins. What are your thoughts? Okay, so, um, yeah, I, I have Alabama. Um, it will go over 10.5, but any smart better is not in the business of uh, betting a season win total over at a price north of 200 when it's a four-month deal. And if you get quarterback injuries or it, well, any over you bet a season win total, if the quarterback gets hurt, as I dealt with with Phil Dracovic missing seven games with Boston College last year, uh, your quarterback gets hurt, you, you can be screwed on the whole bet. Um, and so you don't you don't bet over ten and a half at minus two fifty, and at minus two fifty by the way is the lowest juice I've seen. I've seen some minus two eighties on that. Um, so yeah, I do think they go over. Now I, I do think that um, I, I've got them um, potentially losing a game, and, and it's going to be at Ole Miss, which sets up perfect for the Rebels. And I do think the Rebels are the second best team uh, in the West. Uh, and then I think it's uh, the winner of the A&M Arkansas game uh, will be the third best team uh, in the West. And Mississippi State's not far behind them. And uh, Auburn and LSU, um, they're not going to be easy uh, wins when you go to their house this year. So that, the West is very uh, strong. But yeah, Bama, um, they filled some holes uh, in the, they didn't have as many transfers as most. Uh, but 24-7 Sports ranked uh, their five transfers um, sixth nationally. Um, and it, they only have uh, five transfers ranked as five stars, not whether they were five stars in high school, what they're considered five-star transfers. And Bama got two of those. Um, so they've hit the portal with quality, not quantity. And... Um, Look, all the games of the year have them favored by at least – I mean, I know Chris Andrews over at South Point did not have them favored by at least 13 initially. Um, I'm not sure how much – how big his adjustments have been. But in terms of DraftKings, FanDuel, other offshores, they're favored by at least 13 in every game. Ole Miss and Tennessee both being uh, – 13 being the smallest numbers. I think they win them all except for potentially Ole Miss because Ole Miss has got two weeks to prepare – and Alabama has a big rivalry game the week before at LSU and then has to travel uh, for a second straight week. So, um, yeah, I, I do think Alabama goes over, but I don't recommend betting it. I do think Alabama will be your West champion, your SEC champion, and most likely your national champion, and they'll be in the playoffs. 
What did you think of Jermaine Burton transferring from Georgia to Alabama when you found out that information, man? What, what a kick in the pants. My, uh, my only thought was he must love Bryce Young and he must have issues with Stetson Bennett was really the only, like, I guess, or I mean, I guess he's just, I mean, you just don't win a natty and then go play for the team you beat. I mean, that's not as bad as Kevin Durant going to Golden State after he had a 3-1 lead with the Thunder. If I can't beat him, I'll go join him. That's way worse, what Kevin Durant did. Um, <laughs> no, this is pretty bad, too. This is not good either. This well, is well, weird. It's great for him, though, because let's face it. Georgia runs the ball. They play defense. If he wants those NFL numbers and he wants to be in the top 10 draft picks, he's got a much better chance with Bryce Young. And you got to think the image and likeness money is going to be at least equal, maybe even more at Bam. I don't know how that breaks out. They don't give me those numbers, Brian. But, yeah, I, but you, I, I would have to assume that. It was a career move for him. But it's just for Georgia fans, what a kick in the pants that must be. And it's going uh, it's to be mentioned a lot if these two teams face off here in the SEC title game. Interesting you have Ole Miss as number two. I mean, I just kind of went with the flow for here and went with the Texas A&M Aggies. Their season win total is 8.5, juice to the over minus 150. Uh, they have about, let's see here. Where do I have the Aggies? Rank? I, have the, I have the Aggies ranked sixth in the nation right now, sixth. They, the recruiting average is at 5.33, so about they average about five. They return 84th at 61%, so they rank 84th in returning production. They were 1.3 net yards per play, but their schedule uh, – is is hard, man. <laughs> I mean, it, it every time when the SEC West is brutal. I know, I know. But with the Aggies, you know, they're at Alabama this year, so at least they had them home. You know, Alabama's licking their chops for that game. They got Florida too, which Florida could be sneaky. As we'll hear, and at them. South Carolina is not a um, not going to be an easy game at all. Well, look at their non conference. App State is supposed to win the Sun Belt, which ain't it's not. You can't just overlook them. And then you have Miami the next week, and Miami's supposed to be good. So they they have a very tough schedule. Uh, you know, from the way I way I see it, I think this team. Um, you know. I, Jimbo Fisher just hasn't done it for me, man. Um, it it kind of blows my mind that uh, you know he didn't get farther yet. I mean, it's fun. He's the coach that you know he's almost like the Jim Harbaugh of the SEC, but no one, no the media don't mess with him. You know, maybe because he has that natty. But it's like, why isn't he getting so much pressure like some of the other schools? I almost feel like he's just kind of coasting there. It's like I, I, well, I, I think. Go ahead. I think becoming the first assistant to beat Saban last year kind of got him a mulligan. You know, if he didn't win that Bama game last year, then what they did afterward, losing at Ole Miss, losing at LSU, I think we would be hearing a lot. And so beating Bama last year and the recruiting class he put together, or we would be hearing a lot of criticism his way for all that money he's making because he's already – Four years in, but you know, 2020, he went nine and one. He was very close to being in the playoffs. So the last two years, the the beating Bama and the recruiting kind of made up for um, the losses. You know, they should not have. You know, they're seven point home favorite, the Mississippi State. 
what they beat in Arkansas like nine years in a row. They lose that one. Um, and then at Ole Miss, I mean, that was a bad loss. Favored in that game. I mean, all four of their losses they were favored in last year. Yeah, I know. I know. And that's uh, – it's just it's just, it's just was so strange for me um, losing at home to Mississippi State after the Arkansas. You know, you think after the Arkansas loss, you know, I'm sure betters are reloading. They're like, all right, let's bet A&M here against Mississippi State. And they freaking lose that game. <laughs> Well, the thing is, they they really got their ass beat that night. Um, they, they got out yarded um, by 141 yards. Mississippi State just couldn't make a freaking field goal last year to say. I mean, Mississippi State wins should have won at Arkansas if they can make one out of three different missed field goals. Um, Mississippi State should have beat LSU. They out yarded. Uh, or wait, is that the game? Well, anyway, we'll get Mississippi State in a minute. But like, my point is that. Um, you know, not only did they lose to Mississippi State, they were thoroughly outplayed in that game. Right, I agree. Let's. Uh, my number is eight point three seven, so I have no play. I'm right by the total here. Are you around there? I've got them going eight and four or nine and three. I think that Arkansas game is the big swing game, but I, I'm going to have Arkansas. I, I'm not quite done with my power rankings. I'm going to have Arkansas a little bit ahead of. A&M, so I'm thinking A&M fourth in the West behind Ole Miss and Arkansas. Let's move to Arkansas then. 7.5 to the under, minus 145. So that's more closer to 7.2, really. And that's so funny. Bama at 10.5 minus 280, that's past 12 wins if you look 50 cent per half point. So it's like that number is like – it, it, it's more than 12 wins is what they're saying here. It's impossible. So it's almost like they're trying to beg people to bet bet the under here or just stay the hell away, which is hilarious to me. Um, but let's move on to Arkansas. Like I said, they're 50th in offensive EPA last year. They're 30th on defensive EPA. Obviously, they have that big wide receiver loss um, to the draft, but they do at least avoid uh, Georgia. Um, still a tough schedule, and getting Cincy the first game can't be that fun for them, right? You know, you got Cincy just got their ass beat by the SEC, but they made the playoffs. They're probably really trying to circle the wagons this game. Uh, but it is what it is, and that's why we love college football. And the first game, I, I'm really excited to watch this one. But, you know, they returned a ton of offense, but only three starters on defense. K.J. Jefferson going to try to lead the pack again, and uh, – they do get Alabama at home, so you gotta love that. I mean, my number on the Hogs is seven point eight four, so I actually lean to the over here. And being at minus one forty five, it's not that far off. So, what are your thoughts? Um, I've got them going. Uh, I slightly lean to the over. Um, either eight and four or nine and three. I mean, the two big coin flip games. Are A and M, and then the BYU game is is a bad spot for Arkansas. I mean, they're playing um, their seventh game in seven weeks. They have to go to Starkville the week before, um, and are just coming off a three game gauntlet of A and M in Dallas, Alabama at home, at Mississippi State, and at BYU. So they're getting on an airplane for the third time in four weeks. They're going into altitude. I mean, in mid-October, I guess there's a possibility it could be some chilly weather um, as well, and BYU's a solid football team. So that's a, a very tricky uh, spot from a, a situational standpoint. 
But, um, you know, I do think that they start 3-0 and and very well could be 4-0 with the Bama game. Um, but then those three games in a row, really four games in a row, if you count at Auburn, um, are very tough. I mean, I think if you go 2-2 two and two there, you've done a pretty good job. Um, if you go 3-1, and one, you're elated. Oh wait, wait. Am I, like, I'm sorry. If we count the A and M game after the three and O start, one, two, three. If we have that five game sequence, I think you feel good about three and two. If you in that five game sequence, because um, you got to feel good about LSU and Ole Miss at home and at Missouri. I mean, your last four in November. You know, there's a very real possibility you could go four and O. Um, so, I mean, Arkansas. You know, we'll see. So, Phil Steele's national unit rankings, he's got their quarterback's 27th, but that's not a reflection on KJ. It's just the lack of depth behind him. Um, number 32 at running backs. I don't even know. I don't know that I agree with that because I love Rocket Sanders. Number 40 wide receivers, number 12 O-line, number 45 linebackers, number 19 in the secondary, number 31 special teams. So, there's where their national unit rankings are, at least with Phil Steele. Um, they, uh, you know... Um, some magazines have them with three defensive starters returning. Others have them with four. But they really address some uh, issues in the portal. Um, they've got um, some veteran uh, experience. A, a guy, uh, Jordan Dominic from Georgia Tech, who's got 15 career starts, 103 career tackles, nine career sacks at defensive end. Um, I mean, a lot of these guys that got out of the portal are going to be starters, like Drew Sanders, uh, from Alabama, um, like uh, Landon Jackson, an edge rusher uh, from out of LSU. Certainly, Jaden Hazelwood, uh, who had a pretty, it was a five-star out of high school wide receiver um, for Oklahoma, and had a pretty good season uh, last year. So, um, you know, I think, uh, and they got a, a safety from Georgia. Um, who was a four-star transfer. So um, they've got and, – and Matt Landers from Toledo um, is a, uh, a transfer who um, actually started his career at Georgia, and he had 514 yards receiving and 25.7 yards per catch for the Rockets at Toledo last year. So they have filled in some gaps uh, – very well, same as Ole Miss did in the portal, Ooh. same as South Carolina did in the portal, same as LSU did in the portal. Wow, I got to like that. Uh, circle that BYU game for sure, guys. But, um, man, you they, they, they're they stronger than I'm I'm thinking, in my opinion. I, I have to favor them over Ole Miss right now with their quarterbacks returning here, Matt Corral being gone. I mean, they ranked 10th in recruiting here. Arkansas, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go to that, but I'm let's go to Ole Miss then. Um, I I well, have, let me point out something on the Ole Miss game with Arkansas is Ole Miss will be coming off the Alabama game that they're shooting for with two weeks to prepare, and then they got to go to Arkansas the next week. So whether they win or lose against Bama, talking about Ole Miss, it's a it's a bad spot going to Fayetteville the next week when uh, Arkansas has been chilling in Fayetteville since they get back from Auburn on October 30th. They haven't had to travel all month. Great point. So great point. The, the, the situational advantages are, and I've got Ole Miss losing at Arkansas. Okay. Well, there you go. And so Arkansas 
could be your dark horse here. And now, uh, Ole Miss, 7.5 to the over. So what's funny is that the market is pushing more towards you. There were 27th in offensive EPA last year, 77th on defensive EPA. Okay, so they were not that high. I got to tell you, I have them in my top 35, but that's it. I, I don't... I just I, I punish them too much for the Matt Corral maybe, but you know I'll I'll adjust quickly if needed, you know maybe a four point uh, power rating downgrade I gave them. They're only ninety eighth percent or fifty nine percent returning production ranking ninety eighth. They're only point seven eight net yards per play. I mean that's positive, but it's not in the ones. Their schedule's hard, of course. SEC. Um, yeah, man, I don't have the, I haven't had seven wins in this. Uh, I, I'm just wondering about Jackson Dart. So you're gonna have to tell me about Jackson Dart. Yeah, so um, and I don't even know that it's going to be Jackson Dart. I mean, he and Luke Altmyer were true freshmen last year. So you normally see a nice jump um, in the sophomore year. Altmyer got that experience um, against Baylor and after a rough start. Started to play good in the second half. Was playing good. They were starting to move the ball. He was hitting some passes, and then the pick six. Oh, brutal. Brutal. They're about to tie the game, and then he throws that pick six. Um, and I had had a monster bowl season, but I had just laid the wood on Ole Miss. And, and Ole Miss's defense played their best game. They played in a half a decade at least. And they would have won that game with Corral, period. And uh, – I got beat that night. That was a tough one. But anyhow, look, I mean, I don't worry about all the production they lost because the two running backs um, they have are debatably better uh, than Ely and, and Connor, who were very, very good last year. I mean, Zachary Evans um, was a five-star coming out of TCU, uh, 7.3 yards per carry in his first two uh, seasons. Bentley uh, from SMU. 14 career starts, 1,559 career yards, 5.7 yards per carry average. So I think they're fine um, at running back. And, um, you know, 24-7 ranked their transfer-specific additions as number two in the nation behind only uh, USC. Uh, They got 17 guys, 13 uh, from Power 5 programs, and a lot of them are, are ready to jump in here and start right away, including uh, Troy Brown, a linebacker who will take Chance Campbell's uh, position. And uh, he has uh, two first-team all-max selections to his credit in his four-year career at Central Michigan. He started 31 career games, 215 uh, career tackles. They've got a transfer from Auburn and J.J. uh, Pegasus, I think. Is this a pronunciation? Um, so he's got some experience uh, from Auburn. You've got Aishim Young, who at Iowa State in two seasons started 21 career games, 106 tackles, eight passes broken up. I mean, that's just somebody you plug in right away to start. And then you've got um, your your best sack guy outside of Sam Williams coming back in Cedric Johnson, six and a half sacks, seven QB hurries. Um You've got Mingo back, who struggled uh, with injuries last year. Um, You've got some transfers uh, at wide receiver. Jordan Watkins started 14 career games in the last two years at Louisville. Um, 
and you've got A.J. Finley and Otis Reese uh, back as your two starting safeties who both had 90 tackles apiece last year. So um, now you do lose Durkin. Uh, you do lose your play caller, but I like Charlie Weiss Jr., and I trust Lane Kiffin to get his quarterbacks ready to play. And Altmyer and Dart both have um, big arms. Dart started um, three games last year, 9-5 TDI and T-ratio. Um, I'm not acting like I watched much USC <laughs> last year. <laughs> so so I, I would need to, you know, I, I don't know. I just trust Lane that they're going to be okay at QB. And uh, did I already go through their Phil Steele National Unit rankings? Uh, no, I don't think so. Well, let me show you some of the highlights. Uh, 18th in the secondary, 18th at receiver, um, linebackers 27th, O-line 27th, and running backs 27th. So um, their only units that, where there's concern is the D-line, but um, they've got two starters back there, and they've got the, the Auburn transfer. So... I think their their D line will, will be okay. Um, it, it, you know, and I got to tell you, the market's agreeing with you here a little bit. I, I uh, and I and I do trust Lane Kiffin somewhat. You know, I know the Charlie Weiss edition is ahead. You know, you, you you wonder. I liked his dad. You know, for the when he's with the Patriots for a while and then didn't do great as that. Well, he had Weiss Junior. his last year or two at FAU, so they've worked together and worked well. Yeah, I believe that, and uh, I, no, I, I see the optimism here. I would still lean towards or Arkansas, but um, no, you broke it down well. Let's move on to the next one then, and I have. Well, let me just clarify. I, I do think they go over seven and a half, and the DraftKings minus one thirty-five is the price I've seen that is the lowest. I know there's a lot of minus one sixties and, and that out there. Um, and I think they're start seven and zero, and then at LSU at A and M, who knows? Maybe they split those. Maybe they go one two. Maybe they go two and zero. I think they could potentially win the Bama game. I think they lose at Arkansas. They get Mississippi State at home. So I think they're going to get to at least nine. So sorry, let's move on. No, no worries. Let's move. LSU is close. You know, it's funny. These teams are really bunched up. You have the it, they're kind of in the sevens here. You know, these three. And LSU is seven minus one thirty five to the under. 42nd in offensive EPA last year and 80th in defensive EPA. But why am I even saying that? Because this is a new team here. You know, you got a guy that uh, people transferred out and Brian Kelly and people transferred in, obviously. Uh, you got Jaden Daniels sitting there at quarterback, which I find very interesting here. You know, LSU, always a great recruiter. Um, fourth, they rank, if you average those three years together and out of college football, you average that to fourth. That's pretty high. Um, returning production, 82nd at 62%. But like I said, that don't matter. I, you know, if their net yards per play being negative 1.2 or 0.12 matters, you know, that's just a little bit on the negative. We know that they're going to have a medium hard schedule. I believe they avoid the Georgia, which is obviously they a, do. a very important thing. The, and their crossover games are at Florida and Tennessee at home. Yes. And their non-conference I wrote down is easy for Chip Kelly's new team here. I don't know if it's going to be Jaden Daniels or Miles Brennan. Um, I almost feel like Jaden Daniels doesn't quite fit uh, Chip Kelly or Brian. Sorry, Chip Kelly, Brian Kelly's schemes. But you know he transferred for a reason. You know he left a starting job at Arizona State. Maybe he's seen that ship sinking. I'm not sure. But um, I, I can't be that high on a team of transfers in his first year. But hey, Kelly has shocked me in the past, man. So I actually have. 
uh, this team winning 7.0. No, sorry. I am am a little bit above six games. I'm winning a little over six games. So I'm not super high, but that makes a bowl game. So I'll I'll talk some personnel before I go over um, where I am with their record. So, um, yeah, uh, 24-7 Sports ranked their 16 transfer additions as third best behind only USC and Ole Miss. Six of those guys are ranked four-star transfers. What I I really like about um, a lot of these transfers is a lot of them really have a lot to prove. I mean, when you talk about – Running back Noah Kane, um, you know, he was a disappointment at, at Penn State. Uh, he was a very, very highly recruited guy. So, I mean, I think he's extremely uh, motivated. You've got two guys in the secondary that came from Arkansas who were starters. Um, I believe they are both starters at Arkansas. So, Greg Brooks was a four-star out of high school and a four-star transfer. And then, uh, yeah, Joe Faucha was considered a four-star transfer. So these, yeah, these two guys started um, at Arkansas. They were not offered scholarships to go to LSU. They're from the state of Louisiana. So they are coming home. And they wanted to play for LSU to begin with. But they didn't get offered scholarships. So these guys are hungry. Yeah, Foucha, 34 career starts, 231 career tackles, 17 passes broken up. Uh, And then... Um, Greg Brooks. Yeah, Brooks, 31 career starts, 112 career tackles at Ar- at Arkansas. So uh, these guys um, are, are veterans. And, and then, look, I don't really care who it is at quarterback. Brennan played well those first three games of 2020. They started one and two, but they scored 34 against Mississippi State, 41 against Vandy, and 41 against Missouri. They were one and two because the defense sucked. Um, and then he's, we haven't seen him play since. He threw for over 1,100 yards in those three games. If memory serves, it was an 11-3 to 3 TDINT ratio, I think. Um, and then Jaden Daniels struggled last year, but he was debatably, you know, you could argue he was one of, if not the best quarterback in the Pac-12, his true freshman and true sophomore year, although that, they didn't have to play many games in the Pac-12 that year. But um, he did struggle last year, so he's got a lot to prove. He gives them the running dimension, the dual threat. Um, so Phil Steele's national unit rankings have their receivers fifth, has their D-line eighth. Um, not so great everywhere else, 36th at running back. But like I said, Noah Kane's hungry. John Emery was their leading rusher two years ago, was away from the team academically ineligible last year. He's got to put up if he wants to have a pro career. Um, you know, in Mason Smith and Ali Gay – and B.J. Ojolari on the D-line, those are three guys who are going to play in the NFL for a long time. You've got three of the top four tacklers back. You've got your top five pass catchers back. And um, debatably, arguably, the quarterback play could be better this year. Although Max Johnson wasn't bad last year, 27-6 to 6 TDINT ratio. So you look at the schedule. Um, like you said, all these transfers coming in, they're going to be better later in the year. But early in the year, they do not leave the state of Louisiana. they got to go an hour to New Orleans to play FSU, who's had four losing seasons in a row. Then they get Southern. Then they get Mississippi State at home, which will be a tough one. Then they get New Mexico. So I think they'll be 3-1 and one at worst coming out of that. They can win at Auburn. 
Yeah, they can beat Tennessee at home. Um, for sure. They're only a three-point dog at Florida in games of the year. Then it's Ole Miss at home. But I still only have – I initially marked them four and three with five swing games, the five swing games being Mississippi State at home, at Auburn, Tennessee at home, at Florida, Mississippi at home, and that was it. Those are the five swing games. But after breaking those down, I've got them going six and six. But it might be better. It certainly won't shock me if it's better than that. Yeah, I know. And, and that's why I'm not toying with this one. And I, I just uh, trust the coach as well. All right, let's kind of get a move on here. We got Mississippi State, 6.5 wins to the over, minus 125 is what DraftKings says. 31st in offensive EPA, 38th in defensive EPA last year. So looking at Mississippi State, you know, they uh, I thought they lost some games last year that they shouldn't have, especially against <coughs> Memphis. What the hell happened there? I think uh, well, they got uh, cheated against Memphis. Yeah. Don't you remember the yes, ninety-five yes. yard punt return? Yes. They committed three penalties. Memphis committed three penalties on that play. Or it's not a penalty, but the ball had been down. I know. So the know. play should have been over. That's uh, one thing. I know. But then they had two guys with the same number on the field, and then their whole flipping team on the was walk was out on the field. During the return, they were coming in for the next play. They had like fifteen guys on the field. Yeah, it was it, it was insane. Uh, it was a bad beat for anybody that had a. Uh, I think Brian did uh, Mississippi State day that day. But here's the good news: twentieth uh, in returning production, seventy eight percent. They were positive net yards per play, point thirty four. The schedule's hard as hell as usual. But uh, as a matter of fact, I, I think I even wrote brutal. I wrote brutal on this schedule here, uh, getting Georgia and Kentucky this year. You know, imagine, you know, normally you might want a Kentucky over Florida, but maybe not this year. (laughs) That's no offense, Brian. But, um, you know, the team fought hard last year under Mike Leach, but um, they're just going to need to greatly improve that defense if they want to be playing at the SEC big boys. That's what I wrote. And I think I have them at exactly six point five wins itself so i'm right on the number what are your thoughts yeah so they had 143 more yards in a three-point loss to lsu that was another game where they missed field goals at arkansas where they missed three field goals maybe even an extra point too um they were plus 93 in yards that i've mentioned the memphis nonsense i mean there's three losses they had by eight combined points they easily could have won those three games and then we're talking about a team coming off a 10 and 3 year with 17 starters uh returning they only lost 14 lettermen um they've got one of the, they might have the best quarterback in the conference um i i, I like leach um you know they've got three of their four top pass catchers back They've got all their running backs back. Um, they've got their, you know, two, three. They've got, I mean, they've got nine starters back on defense. And I like their defensive coordinator. Um, now, the schedule-wise, um, you know, at Arizona, they're going to win. But you got to go all the way out west. And then – you got to go and travel again the next week to LSU. So that makes the LSU game more difficult. Um, but, you know, look, at worst, they get out of September 3-1. and one. Uh, They can beat a They beat A&M last year. They can beat them at home this year. Uh, they should have won at Arkansas last year. They could beat them at home. 
Um, at Kentucky, will be a tough one. They'll lose at Bama. I think they'll beat Auburn at home. Probably will not beat Georgia at home. Will beat East Tennessee State and lose at Ole Miss. Um, I initially marked them five and three with four swing games. Four swing games being at LSU, A and M at home, Arkansas at home, and at Kentucky. Um, so if they go two and two in those swing games, that's seven and five. Um, but they could go three and one in those swing games and be eight and four. Well, you know, I, I'm not really. And it's just like you said, uh, they blew a lot of games they shouldn't have. I love their returning production. Will Rogers has been decent at quarterback. I, I just, their schedule just is too dang hard for me, man. Um, Arizona's a win. They're going to get revenge that first game against Memphis, which you're going to be loving. Uh, <laughs> East Tennessee State's pretty easy, right? I mean, Jesus. Uh, they have a plenty plenty of ways to uh to get over that number so i'm gonna lean to the over with you can we skip uh auburn here for sake of time sure all right sure. Uh, screw Auburn. we skip whoever you want you're the boss man am i taking too much time <laughs> you know we both are taking a little bit we, let's just kind of cut it so we can get to the ufc is that you know we had to get get to my one of my favorite sports and one of your favorite sports here at the end are, are we are we pushing when the kids get home is that what's going on here <laughs> We're pushing first time the kids get in. First day of school, baby. It's the first day of school today, and they get out a little early. So I gotta get beyond my time. So we have some time. July. They're back in school in July. That's right. We're uh, here. At, we're on an eight week uh, summer schedule, and uh, they get longer fall breaks and a little bit longer of a winter break. It's kind of crazy, but the way they look at it is, uh, you know, why why not throw them in the school during the hot months? And I agree. Get them the hell out of this house. That's uh, that's what <laughs> that's what I say. But I can understand that. Let's move to Georgia. 10.5 juice to the over at DraftKings at minus 230. So that's really like 11.8. <laughs> There's six last year in offensive EPA. First on defensive EPA. Man, Georgia, I mean, champions. They finally got over the hump. You know, money came in on Bama, and everyone's like, you know, Bama lost to them or, or they beat them in the sec championship game by double digits this wasn't a game this is bama's and georgia came in and threw down on the defense pretty hard here man now um what i'm gonna say is that i know that they're a very reload type team but they still lost a ton of production um ranking 96 at 59 percent. but yes they got recruits they got transfers they got it all now, they were my highest power rating team last year. They're third in my power ratings this year. I'm just, they only return actual three actual starters on defense. I know that they have some guys with experience, you know, subbing in and out. But that's interesting to me. Here's my issue. I have not seen what Kirby Smart can do after a championship year. We know Nick Saban has no problem reloading. We saw what Ed Orgeron did after a championship year, which was Jack, and uh, they quickly went under over in LSU. I think it takes a special coach to do that, and I don't know if they're still celebrating in their minds or what. They still got Brock Bowers at tight end, awesome tight end. He's going to be right there with Matthew Mayer and uh, Bama's boy uh, Cameron Latu, is it? And you know those will be probably top three tight ends coming in the draft next year. Stetson Bennett shocked everybody, uh, was actually pretty competent against Bama. What a great game, but Bama obviously had those injuries to Jamison Williams. 
what if Georgia's still on their honeymoon here? I, you know, especially that big transfer that left to Bama. I don't know, man. I, there's no way I'm going to. I, I thought it was almost easy money at first, and that's what the market says, but shit, I don't know. I don't know Kirby Smart after a win. What are your thoughts? Well, first off, let's congratulate them. They won, they won fair and square. Um, you know, seven teams in the SEC had won a natty uh, since 99. So, um, welcome to the middle level. Welcome to the upper level of the SEC, Georgia, finally. And you say we haven't seen Kirby Smart, how he handles a championship. We haven't seen Georgia, how they respond to a championship since I was seven years old in 1981. Um, and let's be honest, I already told them they won fair and square, and congrats. But if Jamison Williams doesn't blow his knee, their best team since Herschel that won the Natty uh, would have lost to Alabama by double digits twice in the same season yeah yes. and uh yes that's that's a fact that's a fact <laughs> that's a fact if Jamison Williams doesn't blow his knee out Alabama wins by double digits Ooh. but anywho so so I, when I said they won fair and square it's not their fault that he blew his knee out no it's it's not um it's uh you know injuries are part of the game obviously yep. uh, there's no excuse when your whole team is made up of five star recruits and uh you can the next one doesn't step up so I have no pity party for me for Alabama there and uh I was almost I was pretty happy for Georgia to win it I mean obviously I'm a big 10 man I care less uh <laughs> was, let me ask you this wasn't it like the the most bitch celebration you've ever seen in your life like every every fan they put the camera on was crying well i mean it, it, i mean it, it, like it was, what about just some high fives and some yeah and like natty champs it was all it was it was a little pathetic uh i guess yeah i guess, thank you. I, I guess how you mention it like that but it also kind of says we act like you've been there type thing. You know, are you Georgia? Who are you? Right. I, I guess that's well, they really hadn't been there in 40 plus years. Uh, uh, everyone, you know, in case you don't, Brian's a big Florida Gator fan. So you're going to hear this <laughs> kind of thing from Brian all day, but <laughs> I, I, my, my pure numbers have my 11.3 wins. So I'm not taking anything, buddy. Okay. So when I first looked at the schedule, I gave them eight wins and four swing games. Now, most of these swing games, um, they will be favored. Um, I marked at South Carolina a swing game, uh, Florida a swing game, at Mississippi State and at Kentucky a swing game. Now, they'll be favored in all four. Um, I think they get tripped up in one of them. Um, if I were to say, I would, well, I, I'm not sure which one's most likely. Um, but they're definitely going to get tripped up once. They'll, but my approach to the over 10.5 is still the same as Bama. It's a pass uh, for me. But I do think they win the East. They get to Atlanta. I think they lose to Bama. They'll be really, really good. Don't be shocked, though, uh, if Spencer Rattler and the Gamecocks have something for them in week three. And um, we'll see where the Gators are come late October. Is Anthony Richardson... Um, a Heisman candidate as he had a just breakout season because they're that's the optimism for Florida is that Ooh. there is a guy who no player in America in any position. Look, I'm not saying he's he doesn't have a ton of experience. Uh, he's got to go out there and do it. 
but there's not a player at any position in college football that's got more talent and potential. I know potential means you haven't really done shit yet, but he has the potential to have a Cam Newton type of year. Uh, you'd say that. I need to say Cam Newton. God, you're so. I weird. just said he had the potential to, to have. <laughs> I didn't say he's going to. Oh man, Cam Newton, baby. Here we go. All right, we'll get to Florida, but um, the next team I have is Tennessee. And Tennessee is 7.5 to the over, minus 160. Thank you, Andrew. Shout out to Andrew saying good stuff. Uh, I struggled, Brian, where I'm going to put Tennessee and Kentucky. I think they're pretty close. I have have Tennessee. They're 17th in offensive EPA last year, but uh, bad on defense, 75th on defense. You know, they had to play. They had to be perfect on offense sometimes to win some of those games, especially at Kentucky, if you remember that baby. That was a great game, by the way. Um, You know, the Vols, I'm not as high as some people are. I I looked at the week one spread. I already made five plays week one. But the Vols, I have them in my top 20, but not not like convincingly. Uh, They rank uh, 15th in uh, recruiting if you average it up. 33rd in returning production hard schedule here so you know they're they're gonna have it pretty difficult this year and i think i wrote hard because um at pittsburgh is a little tricky here um and yeah they they avoid bama no no they got bama that's why i wrote hard. okay so they got bama on the schedule here um there's no reason why they shouldn't give bama a tough run for the money is what i'm writing down here there's no reason why this team they, they kind of like felt them out in the first quarter and they did pretty good. And then Bama obviously uh, turned on the Jets. But, you know, this is going to be a, a game that they're circling this year. But um, they always get talent there. And I like Josh Heupel. I think he's a good coach. Um, getting Georgia and Bama sucks for their season win total. And that's probably why I have their season win total at, uh, I have it at eight. So I actually somewhat agree with the 7.5, but the juice brings it to eight anyway, minus 160. That's like 8.1. So I'm going to, I'm going to lay off on that, but, um, I, I'm going to say I'm excited to watch this team and, uh, watch head and hooker, uh, throw the ball again, Brian. Yeah. So, um, I love their offense. Hypo. I said this time last year, if he even gets them to a bowl game, he should be in consideration for sec coach of the year. He did that easily. Um, Hinton Hooker, um, if anybody wants to go read my QB rankings piece on, um, on Major Wager, I throw a lot of accolades his way, and that he's very deserving of those. I, I like his uh, favorite target, Cedric uh, Tillman. Um, they're going to be very good offensively. I mean, they've, they averaged 39.3 last year. Um, they're getting a lot of media love, and uh, I'm not too sure – about their defense at all. Um, Their defense gave up 29.1 points per game last year, and that was with, you know, holding Bowling Green and Tennessee Tech to six combined in two two of the games. Um, You look, Alabama scored 52 against them. Kentucky scored 42 against them. Georgia scored 41 against them. Um, And their their defensive numbers came – look more respectable because South Alabama only had 14 and Vandy only had 21 and South Carolina only had 20. But, um, you know, they give up 38 to Florida, um, 41 to Pitt. Did I already say that? Um, <laughs> uh, 52 to Bama. I think I did already say that. Um, 
I just don't think the defense is going to be very good. So looking at the schedule, I initially marked them five and three with four swing games, the losses being at home to Bama, uh, at Georgia, and I've got them losing at South Carolina, although <clears throat> that, that is a game they could win. Um, the four swing games being at Pitt, where they're actually a four-and-a-half-point favorite at FanDuel, um, and they're uh, Florida at home, um, they're actually a four-and-a-half-point favorite uh, in that one at DraftKings. But um, they have uh, they are 1-16 against the Gators in the last 17 uh, meetings. They've lost the last five by an average of 20 points per game. Um, the other or the next two swing games um, are one at LSU. Now they do have two weeks to prepare for LSU, whereas LSU does not uh, have an open date ahead of that. And then the fourth swing game being Kentucky at home, but Kentucky has two weeks to prepare for that one, whereas Tennessee is playing a fourth game. In four weeks, uh, eventually, I, I ended up going with either seven and five or eight and four, which makes the win total a pass for me. Um, and now, you know, you mentioned, um, and I'm not trying to like show you up on this, but it's just kind of how the Vols have fared against Florida and Alabama <laughs> over the decades. Um, you mentioned, you know, they they might be able to give Alabama a tough game. Here's one reason they might not be able to. They are 0-15 against Saban since he's at Bama, 4-11 against the spread, and they've lost those games by an average of 25.9 points per game. Well, it's, it, it is after the A&M game for Bama, so you know that's something I factored in a little bit. But sure, that's I, a valid point. I have one more swing game for them, and that's at South Carolina. I think that's a swing game, personally. Um, yeah, Oh, although right, I said it was an L, but I did say it is potentially yeah, one of them. Yeah, 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 so that's what I have. So we're close on that one then. We can move on. Kentucky, 8 to the over, minus 115, which is roughly right around where Tennessee is with the minus 160 at 7.5. 29th in offensive EPA last year, 46th in defensive EPA last year. So Kentucky, you know, I always used to think of them as a basketball school, but they've been just been better and better and better at playing football here. Obviously, they have that big bowl win uh, against Iowa. Um, I think uh, I think I had Iowa plus three and a half, too, and I was uh, oof, I was like the only person with that ticket. <laughs> um, they returned 63rd at 65% production. They only rank around 30th in recruiting, but that's better than they used to be. I mean, 0.89 uh, uh, net yards per play. The good news for Kentucky is they avoid Alabama. Now, they are at Georgia, but they get Florida at home. I mean, pretty easy. Um, or sorry, that was last year. They uh, they still avoid Bama, though. They're at Tennessee, which is a revenge game for them because they lost at home. So you kind of remember that a little bit. Now, you can. some people don't believe in revenge games. I think there might be a little something to it. At Florida is a little difficult here. I, that's a swing game. Um, at Ole Miss is probably a loss, but that's a potential one for them if Ole Miss's defense doesn't show up. Um, Georgia's a loss at home. Louisville's a win because they beat them freaking all the time. Uh, I, I have them around that. You know, I, I mean, I, I got to admit, my win total on Kentucky is very close. The SEC being so hard. I'm at 7.89 wins, so I'm right on it. What are your thoughts? Um, I initially marked Kentucky 6-1 and one with five swing games. Uh, the loss being at Ole Miss, um, but then I eventually got to them being eight and four. Um, that week two game at Florida, 
Um, they are a four-point underdog in FanDuel's games of the year. Now, um, some people that aren't you know, locked into the SEC may not be aware. Um, Chris Rodriguez, who rushed for 1,379 yards, nine touchdowns, 6.1 yards per carry um, last year, uh, and um, he was second team uh, all SEC. And then the year before that, he had 1,361 yards and averaged 7.1 yards per carry. Um, he got a um, he had a legal uh, incident uh, earlier uh, in the summer. Uh, there was actually a report from KSR, which is Kentucky Sports Radio. Uh, it's that guy Matt um, Matt Jones, maybe who's who's on Fine Mom sometimes. Anyway, he reported that that. You know, Rodriguez's status with the team in general was in limbo. Now, he backtracked from that report a few weeks later um, saying Rodriguez is back working with the team, etc. And right when we were getting started was when Mark Stoops was going on the mic at SEC Media Days. But I just looked up on Twitter, just doing a Chris Rodriguez search. Apparently, Stoops uh, in the last hour has deflected all questions about Chris Rodriguez. He's not ready to answer, um, you know, whether he's going to be suspended or not. So... My point is, he might not be playing in that game at Florida, but that would be, you know, even if it's a four-game suspension, they are fine at home to Miami of Ohio, Youngstown State, and Northern Illinois, but they're already an underdog to Florida. Now, they have a, a good backup in Kavosi Smoke, um, who's got a ton of experience, but uh, without Rodriguez, um, I, I, I favor Florida in that game. Uh, but it, it, whatever the case, I've got them going eight and four, I'm not as high as on Will Levis as a lot of people are. I love his size. I love how it's not easy to sack him. Um, he can run the ball. And, um, you know, he throws a beautiful ball, but he just makes some bad decisions sometimes. Sometimes he looks great, but sometimes his decision-making uh, is very iffy. So, and look, their offensive line has been one of the best top three in the SEC for two, at least the last two years. They lost a lot of guys. Phil Steele's national unit rankings only have them ranked with the number 50 O-line in the country, whereas I think he had them in the top 10 the last two years. Um, yeah, they lost a lot of guys in the draft, I think. And uh, 72nd in pass EPA for the Wildcats last year. So, uh, great points there. So. Yeah, we'll see how they fare in these swing games. I mean, at Tennessee's a coin flip game. I think South Carolina and Mississippi State at home, maybe you slightly favor Kentucky, but not by a lot. Right. I agree with you there. Looks like we're in the button. Let's move to the Florida Gators, my man. And lots of changes with old Dan Mullen going out for Florida. We have Billy Napier from my loved team last year, Louisiana. I was on them for Napier's career, and that was one of the teams I cashed on quite well, except when they freaking played Louisiana Monroe for some reason. What the hell happened that game? Anyways, moving on to Florida, my man. Uh, you know, they have their national championship pedigree from 2000s, right? Um, their season win total is seven, juiced to the over at minus 125. I mean, 76 in offensive EPA was poor last year, 34th in defensive EPA. But when they wanted to turn it on last year, they kind of did. A um, couple games, like uh, everyone was on Florida State last year towards the end. Everyone's saying Florida gave up. No, they didn't give up. They beat Florida State, you know. Um, 
So they, there's still some heart with these kids, but obviously it's under a new regime right now. But now Billy Napier gets to play with four-star recruits, you know, some five-stars right there, and uh, he's right in the mix. Um, what did I write down for Florida here? I can't be high on him immediately. You did you did pique my interest with what you said about Anthony Richardson um, being Cam Newton and all. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, or uh let, let's just or better say, let's just say a, a, a potential poor man's cam newton for next year which man's cam newton <laughs> they return 65 percent production they rank 11th in recruiting they have a medium hard schedule no bama but they go get to a&m away it's a honeymoon year no matter what so I, I think they could be all over the place. I'm not making a play on them, but mathematically, my number based upon their schedule and everything came up to 6.58. What are your thoughts? I, I think they could be all over the place uh, as well. Um, the defense the last two years, or, or two years ago, was the worst defense we've had in 40 years, and it wasn't much better last year. So that's the thing that they really have got to get uh, fixed. With that said, um, they out-yarded. And now, look, when you have bad special teams and you're turning the ball over, this is irrelevant. But I think in terms of how they can potentially bounce back this year, I think it's very relevant. Florida, although they went 6-7 and seven last year, they had a net yardage of plus 1,235. They out-yarded 10 of their 12 opponents including the two teams that met in the national title game, Alabama and Georgia. In fact, they were the, the still, to this day, the only team uh, in Nick Saban's tenure at Alabama that ran for more than 200 yards against Alabama and held them to less than 100 yards uh, rushing. But, um, so, a, a bunch of different things. First off, they've got, the, the, the season's going to be determined in September. Utah at home, they're a two-and-a-half-point underdog. Kentucky at home, they're a four-point favorite. At Tennessee, they're a four-and-a-half-point underdog. All three of those are coin flip games. I mean, if you start two-and-two, two, the season's not over. You really need to start three-and-one if you have, you know, if you want to get to the Georgia game and still be in potential contention in the East. And then the A&M game falls the week after the Georgia game, which makes that a brutal uh, spot. And then we have to go at, uh, not that it will be a tough game, but we have to play at Vandy. I'm only pointing it out because it's a short week because we're playing FSU on Black Friday and we have to travel again, although it's just a two-hour bus ride. But, um, yeah, Florida could end up all over the place. Um, and they've got to stay healthy on the defensive line. They've, they've got a solid starting D-line, but there is not much depth uh, back there. And, and they, you know, I would be, I would have high expectations for this team if Kamori Gamble, the tight end, uh, had not transferred to UCF. If Jacob Copeland, uh, leading receiver, had not transferred to Maryland. If Muhammad Diabate, second leading tackler, had not transferred to Utah. If Tyron Hooper, fourth uh, Hopper, uh, fourth leading tackler, hadn't transferred to Missouri. I mean, there's four of our best players that still had eligibility that left. Um, I don't know where Florida's going to end up. Um, my, uh, It's a pass for me on the win total. 
Um, if Anthony Richardson has a magical year, if they can stay healthy, if they can win some close games, um, I'm not ruling out potentially ten and two. Uh, more likely eight and four, <laughs> not and three. We are the mighty Gators. Look, the, the goal is Atlanta, and then we win in Atlanta. We want to win it all. That's the goal every single year. Period. In the story, that's it. You see that stadium behind me? Camp Randall, twelve and zero, baby, twelve and zero this year. Oh, that, never mind, thirteen and zero. We got Graham Mertz still playing quarterback. <laughs> he, he had the yips, but we fixed it. We 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 brought him to a uh, a shrink. <laughs> he needs to return to that form he had at home to Illinois at Michigan the first two games of his career. Because oh, that was well, all, was that, was, that, was, that was all deception. Those guys were wide open. If you don't remember, what's that. his TDI and T since then? Like eight to twenty five. Yeah, it was like ten for twelve or something last year. Let's not talk about that. He's gonna improve. The, the ceiling is the roof. All right. Uh, let's spend about a minute on these two games here. Are these two teams? South Carolina, six to the over, minus one twenty-five, one twenty-seventh in offensive EPA, thirty-first in defensive EPA. This offense was bad last year, really bad. But their defense kind of got them through. Um, I do love their transfers they they got in. They're one of the best teams to get transfers. Spencer Rattler coming in, pissed off from Oklahoma. I do like the fact they return four offensive linemen. You know. Uh, I think that's a, a position group that people need to pay more attention to. 39th, they rank in recruiting. They return 73% production, negative 0.33 yards per play. They're on a medium hard schedule. If they can only stay away from Clemson, man, you know, I'd have better outlooks on them, but they always got to play Clemson. Uh, they at least avoid Bama, but they got the Georgia. Um, at Arkansas is tough. I don't know, man. I, I think I have them at 6.5 wins. We at real quick. Ah, man, at Arkansas, at Kentucky, at Florida, at Clemson are all four going to be extremely tough. But, look, at least they've got a quarterback. Um, they do have Georgia at home um, and A&M at home. So those are two very but, tough games. Even Tennessee isn't that worse, though, Brian? Because you have, you're playing two teams that you are massively – overpowered you're probably losing those games and then that means you've got to play the guys you might have beaten at home on the road you know it almost can spin away from you a little bit that's the way i kind of look at things no i i hear that i hear that um i think uh i initially marked them six and four with two swing games being tennessee um at home and oh no i'm sorry i changed the tennessee to a win and then I uh, I had at Kentucky a swing game and AM at home a swing game. So I'm thinking probably seven and five. But look, Spencer Rattler, if he can return to his 2020 form, um, you know, they, they've got the um, uh, Austin Stogner, um, the, uh, the Oklahoma tight end. They've got uh, Antoine Wells, who was a, a transfer from JMU, who was second team FCS All American last year. To carry on Joyner and Josh Van are solid receivers. Um, we'll see. They overachieved last year, and now they've got a quarterback. So Fair enough. I'm not taking the under or the over on them, but let's go to a Yeah, it's passed for me. It's this passed this me. team I have a play on, and I think that this team is kind of like the Illinois of the Big Ten almost. Um, Missouri, uh, you know, uh, I actually have them in the – a below average team i do and uh, they rank about 38th in recruiting 68th in returning production 
Man, negative .52 net yards per play. Um, I think Brady Cook is the front runner to be the uh, quarterback here for Eli Drinkwitz. And I'm skeptical as hell. They stunk last year. And it was shocking to me that they won six games. Um, I think that win against South Carolina was a little was a little shocking to me. And then Florida, of course, right? That's where they got to the bowl game. But um, I, I'm going under five and a half here. And even though my number my mathematically says 4.9, Brian, I see three wins. I see Louisiana Tech's a win. I see Abilene Christian a win. And I see Vanderbilt a win. I think they lose at Kansas State. Kansas State's kind of looking sneaky, and they're, they're a sharp darling this year. Um, then where are you going to win? Maybe at Auburn, probably not. Uh, Georgia, no. At Florida, no. You know, um, I guess Vanderbilt, yeah. Um, but I, I, th- I already covered that. Oh, New Mexico State's the other one, right? So you got Louisiana Tech, Abilene Christian, Vanderbilt, and New Mexico State. But how are they going to beat at South Carolina? No. That's a revenge game there. Um Kentucky, no. At Tennessee, no. And Arkansas, no. I, I just I just can't see them pass four wins, Brian. I think I agree. I initially marked them four and five with three swing games, but one was at K-State. I lean K-State there. The other um, was Kentucky at home. I, I lean Kentucky there. And Arkansas at home, and I heavily lean Arkansas there. So, I mean, it could be four and eight. I think five and seven tops. Um but you got to lay minus 150 on the under. Oh, no, minus 135 at DraftKings. What, did you have a different price on the five and a half on the uh, win total? Under one, minus 135, I believe. Did yeah, you that's what DraftKings had. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I slightly lean there. I don't, I don't know that I'm going to play it, but I slightly lean under. All right, cool. Well, let's get into a couple other conferences. You have a few plays for us. I would love to hear them. Yeah, so my favorite is over eight and a half on Fresno State. Um I know that minus 125 has been available on DraftKings. I'm not sure. Uh, it was as of about 24 to 48 hours ago. Um, I've got Fresno uh, favored in 10 games. I think they're going to go 10-2. and two. Uh, I think they lose at USC, although I will admit that USC is going to be better later in the year as those transfers gel. And they did win at UCLA last year, and they could have won at Oregon. They lost by seven, but they were minus two in turnover margin. And by the way, they had two one-possession losses last year where they were minus seven combined in turnover margin in those games. Um, in other words, they, they went 10-3. and three. They could have easily, easily been 12-1. and one. Um, They've got one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, Phil Steele's national unit rankings have their receivers seventh in the country. They're secondary 26th in the country. Um, I've got them losing at Boise, which is not a guaranteed L, um, but that's a tough spot for them. They have an easy game the week before against UConn, but it's at UConn. you got to fly east, then come back west, and then you got to go into altitude uh, at Boise. But I think I think San Diego State's going to be a little bit down or at, or not as you – know, they're not going 12-2 and two again this year. Um, so, and San Diego State game is at home. Um, you know, outside of that Boise Net USC, toughest games, Oregon State in week two, but I've seen them favored by four and a half in the um, uh, games of the year. 
I really don't. You know, their toughest games after that, there not really aren't any. No, um, not. Other than San Diego State at home, look, Nevada's in complete rebuild modes, and Carson Strong's long gone. Coaches are gone. Like eight transfers went to Colorado State, and they get Wyoming at home. They're going to go ten and two. Um, now the fear is Jay Kaner getting hurt. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Um, but yeah, love Fresno. I'm also going to go well, over well, before, eight. Before I have, I have them at nine point six four wins. So my numbers, okay. my numbers really side with you there. So good stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's also go over eight and a half on Pitt. I know they lost Pickett. I know they lost Jordan Addison, but they still bring back fifteen starters. They went eleven and three. Uh, last year, they would have gone 12-2 and two if Pickett had played in the bowl game, and they still had a, a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter of that game. Uh, they had another loss by four uh, to Miami and uh, by three uh, to Western Michigan. So, I mean, they were very close to being even better than the 11-3 and three in ACC champs um, last year. They were plus 18-62 in net yardage last year. They have three guys on defense back. They were first team all ACC last year. They have a fourth guy who was second team all ACC and had nine sacks and nine QB hurries. Phil Steele's national unit rankings rank their defensive line number two in the nation. Their secondary 24th. Their O-line 17th. I think their O-line is the best in the ACC. They've got three veteran running backs um, that all played uh, last year and played well. Uh, in fact, they combined uh, for more than 1,700 yards rushing and um, uh, 16 rushing touchdowns. Um, I think Slovis is a uh, nice fill-in uh, for um, Pickett. And then they got a kid named Kanata Mumfield, who as a freshman at Akron last year uh, had 751 uh, receiving yards. So, I mean, he's not Jordan Addison, but, um, you know, they do have a transfer that can kind of step in there. And then Jared Wayne was their second leading receiver last year, 47 catches, 658 yards, six touchdowns. They got him back, and they've got one of the better tight ends uh, in the ACC. You look at the schedule, Tennessee, a coin flip game. Um, I'm, they're going to beat West Virginia in the opener. Uh, they're going to avenge the Western Michigan loss. And then it's just three easy home games, in my opinion. At Louisville, at North Carolina, I think they probably split those. Um, they're going to beat Syracuse at home. They're going to beat Duke at home. I mean, the schedule really works here. I think they'll win at Virginia as well. I mean, I know they've got Brennan Armstrong and very good receivers at Virginia. They lost their entire O-line, and their defense is abysmal. They lost their coach, um, too. Yeah, I think they go to Miami 9-2 and two and play the Canes in late November when it's not going to be scorching hot, and that will decide uh, who goes to the ACC championship game, and we'll already have cashed our ticket, in my opinion. Well, I say I, I have 8.3 wins. My concern is losing Mark Whipple. I think he was really the brains behind that offense, and obviously Kenny Pickett goes. I'm not a big Caden Slovis guy, but it is set up pretty well for them. I actually kind of – I took Miami over in the eight and a half, and I think Miami wins this game here to win the Coastal here for the uh, ACC. So – that's the way I kind of have it written, but I'm very close to the 8.5, so I'm not like major disagreement here from me. Any others? Uh, last one, just under three and a half for Georgia Tech. 
Uh, they've won three in each year under Jeff Collins. Uh, only eight starters back. They're devoid of talent. Phil Steele's national unit rankings only have one unit ranked in the top 60. That's quarterbacks, and they're number 59. Um, you look at the schedule, it's brutal. Um, non-conference at UCF, Ole Miss at home, at Georgia. I'll give them a win against Western Carolina at home. I'll give them a win against Duke at home. They're, they're most winnable games after that. Virginia at home and at Virginia Tech when they'll be traveling twice in two weeks, um, even if they split those, and I think they lose both and go 2-10, and ten, but even if they split, we still win um, under 3.5 Georgia Tech. Wow, Georgia Tech, and they do have it tough this year. You know, I, I'm uh, I'm close to that. I'm thinking about 3 and I'm, I'm pretty close to the number, but um, starting out at Clemson is just brutal. Western Carolina, a win for sure. Um everything duke's a win i have two wins on their schedule and everything else is tough maybe virginia's a swing game i guess if you yeah, i said virginia at home and at virginia tech are their their two most winnable after that yeah that's true florida state's gonna be tougher too so i agree no good stuff man um i'm gonna give out a quick play for week one you know why the hell not it's uh it's time to dig in because the spreads are out there and i'm gonna go <sighs> There's a couple options here because I made a few, I made five plays. Um, I'm going to go with a stinky one. All right, I'm going to go with Colorado plus eight and a half at home against TCU. Now, the thing about Colorado, they're not a team you know you think about in the Pac-12. That's going to be good. They're more of like a a fade team, but they at least have some consistency with their coach there. You know, they have uh, they they actually played in the early schedule last year pretty well you remember how they took a&m down to the wire only lost that game by three should have won that game they should have won that game and then they of course just crumbled uh, them the letdown against minnesota the next year but you know they beat arizona 34 to nothing they beat oregon state towards the end of the season 37 to 34 and then, then they, you know, let down against ucla but then they beat washington at home 20 to 17 and then, of course, they lose to Utah by only two scores, you know? So it's like this team isn't quite as bad as people say. JT Shroud is okay. But when you look at the TCU team, why the hell am I getting on TCU this early? They have a new coach in Sonny Dykes. And I know Sonny Dykes kind of got his name from the early days at TCU. And I'm sure TCU is more motivated here. But TCU lost a ton of production themselves. Some of their five-star recruits transferred out. I think one of their running backs did, if I remember correctly. Um, and Yeah, he transferred to uh, Ole Miss. Exactly. What the hell is TCU doing laying over a touchdown on the road, the very first game in the freaking elevation of Colorado is what I wonder, Brian. You know? I have no opinion, but I'll answer uh, with a uh, pick of my own in week one. I I'm on NC State minus nine and a half uh, at uh, ECU, and I like Colton Ollers, but uh, uh, I love NC State's defense, and I love Devin Leary. He's definitely lost some of his weapons, but that defense is going to be really nasty, real nasty. Yeah, I agree. I I I'm, I'm big on NC State, and if you listen to this podcast – a few weeks ago, I gave out Devin Leary plus 150 to win the Heisman, or plus uh, 15,000 to win the Heisman, 150 to 1 
to win the Heisman. Um, if you look at his numbers. Hey, I th- look, man, if they weren't playing at Clemson, I would be picking them to win the ACC. But it's going to be tough to win at Clemson. Not that they can't, but. Um, well, Clemson can have some hiccups, too, you know. Well, they would have to lose two other ones if they beat right. NC State, though. That's true. That's true. But. Um, that's true. No, I, I, I like what you're thinking there. Um, I'll look at that one again. I'm just kind of getting into week one here. NC State. ECU is a team that kind of showed up when they needed to last year. I remember they gave Oh, I respect, I respect ECU. They've got a terrific running back, and they've got a really good veteran quarterback. Um, but I just don't – I don't think they can uh, – and, look, that, that, it'll be close uh, for a while. It's at ECU, by the way. Um, I don't lay big numbers on the road, but I, I just think that over the course of 60 minutes, NC State wins by 14 to 17. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. Uh, that seems like a good play to me. Let's move into the UFC then. We've been on for almost an hour and a half. So let's. Uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about the event here coming up. And it's going to be a great one with Curtis Blades here against Tom Aspinall. And I'm going to be honest with you. I was on Volkanov uh, in that Aspinall fight. I just thought it was a bad matchup. I thought Volkanov was hard enough to take down. But it, it, Aspinall got him down anyway and put him in an arm bar wherever that was, uh, you know, got him and submitted immediately. And, you know, Aspinall, and you, you kind of look at his profile, you know, he's been beating the shit out of people. But then again, you look at his guys he beat. Volkov was re- really the only guy that, I guess, Arlovsky. Arlovsky's just kind of a bear that's like my age that still fights. I don't know what the hell he's doing out there. But, you know, he, he, he wins by decision a lot. But he even submitted Arlovsky, so I got to give it to him. But this guy he's fighting in Blades is a completely different animal because Blades matches up to him. That's the problem. A lot of people look at Blades and say zero submissions. He's not a grappler. Bullshit. Uh, Curtis Blades' ground and pound is... Curtis Blades is the best wrestler in the heavyweight division. Probably. 44%. Has been for a long time, right? That's what I... That's exactly. I would would say so. I I don't think Nagano is as good as him. Um, Cyril Gann is probably more of a stand-up guy. Um... Yeah, I mean, Curtis Blades is by far the best wrestler in the heavyweight division. I would say by far too, um, especially since uh, Cormier left, right? So, yeah. so it's Blades, and 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 Aspinall has not been tested against wrestlers. No, he hasn't, and and that is exactly why I think the wrong guy is going favorite here. But it, the problem is that Aspinall still has the grappling techniques of submission. Blades is ground and pound, and that's probably why the edge is given to him. But dude, if I was making this card, I don't I can't see how I could favor Aspinall over what Blaze has done. Everyone keeps remembering Blaze getting knocked out by uh by my boy. By your boy, the beast, black beast, Derek Lewis, that we're gonna talk about in a minute. But that I mean, that was just more of a fluke than anything. He shot low and just got caught with an uppercut. You know, he was a massive favorite that fight, too. And we actually, oh, I was all over the beast. I was actually over the beast at plus at, at plus four hundred KO too. So that was that that was I was on both sides. I was blades uh, by decision plus three hundred fifty, and uh, and then I was uh, the beast uh, by KO plus four hundred. So that worked out well for me. But um, what I'm going to say is that it's just a bad matchup for Aspinall. He has nowhere near the strength of schedule. I think that, you know, Blades has uh, went through, you know, Blades has went through Lewis. He's went through Volkanov. He's went through uh, Joe Dos Santos. He's went through Giorgino Rosenstrike, right? Uh, Dawkins. Biggie boy. 
Yeah, Biggie Boy. You know, he beat the hell out of Dawkins like he was nothing. I think this is a great matchup. Don't get me wrong. I think this is one I'm going to sit by and watch popcorn because I am impressed by Aspinall, but this is the hype thing that I warn people to avoid. I say, get away from the hype. And so, uh, if anything, with the price at plus 115, I'm going to lean blades at the price. You know, if, if Aspinall is plus 115, I might lean Aspinall. But this should be an even fight, in my opinion. The play that I want to give out is a couple fights below that. And it is the Bear Jew, Paul Craig, fighting. Submission. I'm looking up his prop to win by submission right uh, now. I think, I, I think you know where I'm going then uh, against Vulcan Uzdemir. And now Vulcan is favored at minus 165 because Paul Craig has been knocked out before. But, I mean, the important thing to me is if you look at this fight to fin- to go inside the distance, it's like minus 300 or something crazy. And then I can, I can cash in better by betting it two different ways. I want Paul Craig to submit this guy, all right? And if you look at Vulcan Uzdemir, he has two losses by KO, two losses by decision, and two losses by submission, right? So he's been beat that way before, okay? Now, the thing with Paul Craig, he never has went to decision, ever, never, you know? And I don't see him going to decision. Oh, wait, 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 his, his draw was Shogun, the draw. Okay, how long ago was that? Uh, the he's on a four fight winning streak. Shogun was five fights ago. Uh, all right. Well, I I thought I might have missed that one, but more you know you time. you were looking at the wins and they all sixteen wins, thirteen submission, three knockouts, losses, four, three knockout, one submission. You just forgot the draw. Had yeah, to get yeah. What, what the problem is, Sure Dog's not working right now, and that's a, I love using Sure Dog that site. So I'm kind of pivoting over here to another site here. Um. Yeah, so, well, you know, it's funny. It, it was a draw, so it doesn't show right. up as decision. So great exactly. g- great point there. But either way, you know, the dude's fought 20 times. He has one draw because of that right. happening. So, you know, Uzdemir here, the way Uzdemir likes to win is definitely on his feet by KO. And uh, that's possible. He might rock. Uh, uh, he might rock Paul Craig. But Paul Craig's getting a little bit better. Paul Craig's six, t- six and four. He's got great size. Six foot three. He's got a one inch reach advantage. Um, he's going to try to get to the ground right away. And so Vulcan Uzgamir is going to have some options. Um, the one thing that scares you a little bit is Paul Craig has actually won some fights by KO because when he grabbed Jamahal Hill, he just kind of pounded him. He put him in a submission move, but he just pounded him. They called it a TKO rather than a win by submission. I, I can't remember what happened with Rua. It was something the same, but this guy's a submission guy. I don't see um, Uzdemir losing by anything but submission i don't think he's gonna let anything like that happen to him so i'm very comfortable instead of taking paul craig inside the distance at plus 150 i'm gonna take paul craig at plus 250 for a star and a half but my but i'm gonna i'm gonna come right back on uzdemir by ko at plus 125 so if either of those happens i don't lose now i only i I get my money back plus you know 0.25 plus a quarter of my bet if the Uzdemir side wins, right? Because you have to minus out the other bet. But if Paul Craig wins, it's really like you're getting paid plus 150 because you just minus out what you uh, what you did before, you know, uh, counting towards your money. So blended odds, you're getting plus money here. That's the way I'm playing this, baby, Brian. 
But uh, all right. Go. So uh, five of Craig's last seven fights have ended in round one. So I'm going to go under one and a half rounds minus one oh five for one unit. Um, I'll probably put a half unit on. Nah, maybe a quarter. Ah, I don't know. I'm probably going to put a little something on Craig to win by submission at plus 250 or inside the distance plus 190, although the submission is more likely. Um, I haven't figured that. Maybe a little touch of Craig plus 140. We'll see how, if the odds change between now and then. Um, but I, I like where your head's at on this. Uh, yeah, Paul Craig to finish it on the ground and not to go the distance. And, and if, 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 um, if Vulcan wins, it'll, it'll be by KO. Yeah, I agree. And here's the, here's the cool thing about this event. It's in London and you have the biggest UFC big mouth since Conor McGregor and Patty Pimblett. I mean, people think this is just about Aspinall and blades. It's really more about Patty Pimblett here wrestling in his home country, my man. You know who G. Lou, you know who Gam Lou likes in this one. He likes leave it because I heard him yeah. that last week, <laughs> and I don't know why. Because I, I mean, leave it. I mean, I haven't I, seen Levin fight yet. I haven't watched him fight. I looked at him, and he's got like a split decision against Ogden. He lost to Puelas. He's fought some bombs. I mean, his strength of schedule is just so much. I mean, here's the funny thing about Patty though. Patty, Patty was kind of, you know looking down until his last three or four fights. But I watched Patty fight, and he looks like a changed man. He looks freaking good. I mean, just from the eye test, I'm saying, I don't know how this Bach guy he lost to in 2018. But since then, whatever happened, he gets about a year and a half before his next fight to train against Dalton, KOs in the first round. Against Martinez, KO in the first round against Vendramini, KO in the first round. And these guys ain't big, but still. Then he subs Vargas in the first round as well. You know, I almost think that maybe you're going to look for Patty in the first round. But his price is wrong. I do agree with Gamlu on that. With his strength of schedule, he should be not laying anything north of two, minus 200 to Jordan Leavitt because Jordan Leavitt actually has some wins and they're UFC wins, and you have to take them, uh, you know, with respect. So um, I, I'm excited to as hell to watch Patty run his mouth and and all the fireworks that's going to happen this weekend. But uh, six, you know, six significant strikes per minute. The dude's a beast. Fifty eight percent accuracy. He's also submitting, and that's where he can win just on sheer volume. But I, I just don't know what I want to do with this overpriced number. And I'll tell you right now, being in London. Brian, this number's probably going to shoot to 300. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And that crowd is going to be batshit nuts. Yeah, yeah. This crowd's going to be insane. You know, minus 260 is around a, oh, I think it's like about a 71% chance of winning, something like that. Minus 266, minus 375. So, you know, you're looking at about that price. Um, I, I think that he does have that chance personally. I think I don't see a lot of ways of Levitt winning. So I, 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 you know, Luth, Luth seems to think that it should be minus 200 or sorry, it shouldn't be minus 260. I think maybe it should be 
my just with strength schedule minus uh, two hundred. And here I'm kind of going him and Han right here, right? Obviously, but um, he's this one's just gonna be a fun fight. I, I just wanted to say that. And there's some other guys on this card that are from London as well. You got Mark Diakise. That's from London. You got Nathaniel Wood, minus 550, though, against London, uh, uh, from London. Uh, Mark Diakise is minus 360, by the way. And then you got Mohamed Makayev, at, uh, who's 7-0 and at minus 470. So all these London guys, Jai Herbert, minus 270. You know, all these guys are massively priced, you know, but it's in their hometown. But you're going to find some value maybe fading one of them, but... I got to tell you, most of these guys, minus Mohammed, have kind of been set up to win. I might take a shot at Charles Johnson, to be honest with you. But most of these guys have really been set up to win with their matches, in my opinion. I don't think much of Kyle Nelson. Um, so that's that, that's my thoughts. And, and, and one more. I'll give out one more play. Jonathan Pierce is minus 200 against Makwan Amirkani. And Pierce is an American. Um and Amir Khani is from, I thought, the Netherlands or something. Finland he's from, okay? So, you know, I mean, not too far from the U.K. He should have some fans there. But this dude hasn't beaten anybody. And the only way that he really wins is by his anaconda choke. His last three freaking wins were by anaconda choke. So, you know, I'm like, I don't think that Jonathan Pierce is stupid enough to let himself fall into something like that. And Pierce is just a massive volume type guy, high energy. He's minus 200 for a reason, but I think he should be minus 300 or above, in my opinion. He's your parlay leg for sure. I'm actually going to bet Jonathan Pierce for at least a unit, maybe a unit and a half. Let's give it 1.5 units here on Pierce here to uh, win at minus 200. So uh, lay 200, win 100, whatever. That's fine with me. I think that price is fair. For a guy I can't see losing five significant strikes to 1.36, Brian. And he's fought grapplers. That's the important thing I looked at. He's fought some grapplers and he's beaten them. Not worried about Mach 1. Anything else on this card? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with under, under one and a half plus 105 and uh, the Pimblet and uh, Levitt fight. Uh, Pimblet's uh, last four fights have ended in round one. Uh, under one and a half is uh, three and two in Levitt's uh, last five scraps. So um, I um, – and not a strong play, but under one and a half plus 105 for Pimblet and Levitt. I like that. No, that's that's a great one. I, I'm going to – you know, I was, I was saying first-round KO, but, yeah, that's greedy. Take the under 1.5. Maybe Pimblet screws up. Get plus money. No way you can be upset with plus money here. So that brings us to the next event, Brian. And you got a little something for us for UFC 277. My girl, Amanda Nunez, finally lost to this lady. She's sitting there laying minus 1,000 chalk all her life lately. And uh, she gets beat. She got popped. She fought a very motivated Juliana Pena. So now you see her at minus 300, Nunez. And you see Pena at plus 240, people thinking it's a fluke. Well, here's the problem here. Penny knows she can beat this lady now. There is no jitter. She coming in here like, I beat you before. I'm going to do it again. She was punching the crap out of her. So that makes you wonder. And she showed she could take Amanda's best punches. I mean, um, Juliana's left eye was all swollen. As, I mean, I thought her orbital might be broken. Um, Amanda was landing the heavy shots. 
but Amanda realized uh, at some point in round two, she is taking my best shots, and she keeps coming, and she panicked, and she got gassed, and she wanted out. And like Dana said the other week, we're going to find out if Amanda still got that fire. I mean, I almost think that that it was like, it's like, you know, Nunez taking her as an underdog against Rousey was the easiest bet ever. Um, and I'm not saying this is an easy bet ever uh, by any means, but I almost want to to think that this is just it. This is it for Amanda. Like, she's going to make this last, one more last pay per view, and she's set for life with all her money, man. I, I just don't know if she's still got the fire. We'll see. Was she paid pretty well in the UFC? She's been paid a lot of money, man, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, she got pay-per-view points on the um, the Cyborg fight, which I know that – I don't even know. That was with – that that show did a lot of buys. Um, that was the co-main too. I'm pretty sure, or maybe that was the main event. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, but I, my, the play I really like is uh, Lewis uh, minus one twenty against Pavlovich, who is on a nice run. Um, I might put like a quarter unit on Anthony Smith as a plus three fifty dog. Um, I know he's up against it in that fight, but uh, I like Anthony Smith. Smith. I like Smith. I like I like how he's. I just like his whole demeanor here the last year or two. Um, and he's on a nice roll. Uh, I was in Jacksonville when he got that win over Crute. I had him big that night. Um, and uh, but oh, I know what I want. I think Amanda and Juliana under two and a half rounds at minus one twenty. I think Amanda either gets the knockout in the first or second round, or she gasses out and Pena takes over and wins I, I i think i don't think it lasts beyond the uh, halfway mark of round three um so yeah probably a little bit on anthony smith a lot on Derek lewis a little on the under for nunez pena maybe a little on on juliana i don't know what i also want to i want to see amanda's body language i want to see the face-offs i think we'll be able to tell uh at the presser thursday and at the the weigh-ins on Friday, I think we'll be able to see Amanda and if, if she looks determined and ready to go. I, I think we'll be able to see that. Yeah, that's for sure. I think the weigh-ins are going to tell you the aggression for sure. If you want to take that under, you can kind of... <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, Amanda should be pissed off. You know, it's funny. Like, they list painting as a BJJ black belt. Uh, but why is Nunez just listed as a striker? I thought Nunez was uh jujitsu. Oh, she's a black belt. Nunez is a black belt. Yeah, and jujitsu. I thought. I thought she was jujitsu. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I she, yeah, I thought so. These I mean, ESPN lists her as striker, but she's from Brazil. Shit. So hold on, um, here. Let me go to her page where I'm at. Hold on. It's not on the UFC. Um. Yeah, she's a black belt in jujitsu. Uh, under Daniel Valverde. Yeah, I thought so. Okay. Brown belt in judo mistake by espn yeah that's for sure so yeah i thought so i it's gonna be a wonderful fight um probably gonna lay off it but maybe I, maybe i'll look at an under too just to kind of you know um look at the agreement. you'll decide when you see those two women look at each other in the eyes that's when you'll decide if yeah. you're gonna play it or not they might start kissing or something you know 
Amanda might. Amanda might is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> oh, man. It's going to be fun, dude. I can't wait for this event, Brian. Thank you so much for coming on the show, talking all these wonderful games. You gave us a great SEC preview. Love your plays here. Black Beast coming on up. And, uh, ooh, he's a... Uh, He's due. He's due. He's pissed. So I'm excited for that one. And uh, where could our listeners find your great information? Um, on Major Wager, those four-season win total, or I'm sorry, uh, not the Ole Miss one, the, but the three-season win totals on Georgia Tech, Fresno State, and Pitt, I've got uh, very in-depth write-ups on those at Major Wager. Also wrote up uh, a, a little preview of Chemayev and Nate, which got booked yesterday. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Vegas B Edwards, um, and uh, oh, I um, I'm doing a podcast with the A to Z sports guys. A T O Z. We've been on hiatus, but we're getting started back uh, in two weeks at the start of August um, on Tuesdays and Fridays at two central. And uh, I've got another new podcast I'm starting uh, with Vegas Insider uh, in August as well. So be on the lookout. Uh, for that and uh, Kiev, thanks for having me, man. Enjoyed it as always, and I'm sure we'll do it again soon. We certainly will. Make sure you guys check out Brian from Major Wager, and also check out his new podcast on Vegas Insider and the A to Z. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you have any questions about it or want us to break down some games for next episode, please feel free to tweet us at the Oddsbreakers. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy all the games and the fights and go get some winners. <laughs> <laughs>